Hey everyone, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these types of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to have Michael Levitt join me and he is just an incredible individual. I had a chance to read up on his story, and it is a remarkable experience to say the least. He is the host of the Breakfast Leadership Show, which is a top 200 podcast on the Apple Podcasts uh, app. He is also a Fortune 500 consultant, a number one best-selling author, and a three-time global thought leader on culture with Thinkers 360. So Michael, thank you for coming on, and I think we're going to dive right into a question here. So what led up to your workplace burnout in 2009 and 10? Oh, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. So yeah, that that 2009, that year of worst case scenarios was a lot of fun. I say that sarcastically, of course, but uh, my burnout, and it was definitely in the workplace, was created because I didn't have any boundaries in my life and I wasn't taking care of myself. So let me paint the picture of what happened to me back then. Uh, in 2007, so let's go back a couple of years before that, I was hired as a healthcare executive uh, just outside of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Um, originally from the U.S. and immigrated to Canada in 2004 and became a citizen in 2011. So this was a startup healthcare organization, and I was brought in because I had startup experience before, but I had zero healthcare experience. So there was a lot of learning for me to do, and whenever you work for the startup and i'm sure many people that are listening right now have had some experience in working and launching a new business and whatnot uh, it there's a lot of hours there's a lot of things to be done there's a lot of things to navigate through and all of that and even though i was an employee and not the owner of this organization i treated it as if i was the one that owned the organization and i think that was a big mistake thinking about that uh, over the years because I didn't take care of myself. It, that should have been somebody else's responsibility to you know, make sure that I was obviously doing the work, but within a reasonable amount of time. So from 2007 to 2009, I was pretty much working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week. Um, and that takes a toll on you. I wasn't getting any exercise. Uh, my nutrition plan was pretty much breakfast, lunch, and dinner ordering food through a microphone, driving around the corner, paying for it and getting handed a brown bag. I'll let you figure out what kind of food that is. And, you know, not getting, again, any exercise. And I stopped doing things I enjoyed doing. Uh, Windsor, Ontario, for those that aren't familiar, is across the border from Detroit, Michigan, where I grew up. And I was a season ticket holder for the Detroit Tigers. And this was back when they were decent and going to the World Series and in the playoffs all the time. And I had season tickets, so I could go to the game. Everything was paid for, the, the beer vouchers, the food vouchers, parking. All I had to do was show up, and I quit going because I was working so much. And when I did have time away, uh, I was just too fatigued and wiped out. And then ultimately what had happened over a period of a year, starting in May 2009 to May 2010, the following happened to me. I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. My car was repossessed, and then finally my home was foreclosed. And all those things happened in a year. 
and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. But all of those things happened to me because I was burned out and it took a toll on my ability to do work and take care of myself and you name it. And those experiences gave me a second chance because typically with the type of cardiac event that I had, statistically speaking, uh, people don't survive that type of heart attack. And I did. Uh, so um, I, I took it upon myself to learn the lessons that I needed to do um, in order to prevent anything like that to happen again with me. And as I've done that over you know, a few years after that, I started looking around and recognizing a lot of people were going down that same path that I did. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this. And I wasn't really sure what I could do. Uh, but then I figured it out and launched my organization. And here we are today. Man, that that's incredible. I love hearing that, especially and again, like traumatic experience, like your car gets repossessed and then you're home and then you should have died from a heart attack. I mean, I, I can't even relate to that. And it's just like, I, I, I try to sympathize with you here. And it's almost like, I, I love that you uh, phrased it in the way like it's the best thing that could happen to you because sometimes it's those moments that break us down totally that help us propel us to chart uncharted territory where we have no idea that we have ever, ever been there. And I like that you uh, mentioned that. Uh, that's something I've actually been focusing on in my life. It's, oh, you know what? Things are hard because I'm running multiple businesses just so then because I'm I'm starting out, I just graduated high school at the beginning of this year, and I'm getting right into the workforce. And I, I, college just didn't really speak to me for some reason. So I started my own business. I was like, so I did window cleaning. And I also, uh, in the words of Gary uh, Vaynerchuk, I was like, I'm gonna start a social media platform as means social media profile as well and get my name out there and build my personal brand as well. And I, I can definitely attest that it's hard. So I, as an entrepreneur, I kind of have a question to follow up with that because, I mean, you're an expert on burnout and that's what your organization does. And most entrepreneurs work insane hours. And I'm wondering what your advice would be for entrepreneurs and how to avoid burnout. We tend to take on too much. Uh, we tend to think, okay, if I just work this extra couple hours, I'll get things forward because we, we have this dream of where we want our business to be or we expect our business to be and it takes time to get there and we think well if I put in an extra two or three hours a day I'll get there faster not necessarily uh, it really depends on focusing on what your core business does and the little things that build up over time but you have to be rested and a lot of people say well I gotta just work longer but the problem is when you work so many hours and you're fatigued and tired, you lose clarity, you lose the ability to recognize patterns, you lose the ability to see things. Opportunities are a good example of that. You might be going so deep into your work and over here on the side is this opportunity that comes up and you blow right past it. It's like you're driving down the interstate and there's this sign saying, this will move your business forward and you just completely miss it because you're so fatigued and wiped out from working. So my one bit of advice that I, and I give obviously a lot, but the key thing for entrepreneurs is to make sure that they get the best sleep that they can. And that means you got to limit your work days 
And I'm going to share a stat with you from the World Health Organization. And this, and of course, we've heard about them lately uh, with the pandemic and everything. But prior to this, they released some information from a study that was the data is from 2016. So it's about five years old data, but it's quite applicable to what's going on in the world right now. Nearly 750,000 people a year die from either heart disease or stroke if they work more than 55 hours a week. Wow, that that's a crazy statistic. <laughs> uh, based on the stats that I'm seeing and the reports that I'm seeing from other studies and things like that, my hunch is the next time they run those numbers, it's going to be closer to a million people globally a year die because they work more than 55 hours a week. There's, there's, I'm sure there's other factors involved, but that's the common factor. Um, people think, well, if I put in these 60, 70, 80 Gary V type of numbers, and I love Gary V, I'm not knocking him. There are people that are wired differently. Your Elon Musk's of the world, your Steve Jobs, your Bill Gates, your Gary V's, very singular in nature. The majority of us cannot, nor should we try to operate that way. Doesn't mean we won't be successful. We will, as long as you have a roadmap and you're taking care of yourself along the way and getting restful sleep and having boundaries around when you work and when you don't is critical because, you know, you have, and everybody does this, you're in the shower or you're somewhere relaxing and a thought comes to mind, an idea. Wait a minute, you know, I could do this. The reason why those ideas come is because you are in a relaxed state at that point and you get clarity. If you're grinding and grinding and hustling and all of that kind of stuff, for the majority of people, those thoughts aren't going to come in. They may be there, but you're not going to hear them because you're so focused on things. You're like, I have to do this. And I know there's a lot of, unfortunately, undue pressure that many entrepreneurs put on themselves because they go all in and they say, okay, I am going to go all in and I'm going to launch this business and this is the only thing I'm going to do. And there's the added pressure. I have to have money to eat and survive, pay rent, whatever. And they don't have a safety net. That's why for many people, and even when I launched my business, I did not leave the role that I was doing for a period of time. Uh, wanted to, but didn't because I knew I need a safety net in case this just dies or doesn't happen. And I need as much of a safety net as a job can provide. Uh, and I want to go back real quick on your comment about um, how college wasn't good for you. This was a study a good friend of mine, Steve Olsher, um, did years ago, but it's pretty applicable today. Um, and he was interviewed on Fox News about this and everything. Eight, at that time, and I'm guessing the stats are probably the same, 83% of people with college degrees are not working in the field where that college degree is in. So you're saving yourself a ton of money. And I, I have a lot of people and friends and colleagues that are in academia, and they don't like hearing me say this. You're saving a ton of money by not going to college. You'd be better off spending your money on certificates to learn specific skill sets that are in demand today. Because that's the common complaint you hear from corporate America is we have all these college grads. They don't have any of the skills that we need for them to help us now. So you, you figure out, you go, okay, what companies would I like to work for? Okay, what skill set are they looking for? Go get the certificates. They're everywhere. You can get certified in pretty much anything online. You don't even have to leave your house. And you get it, and then you say, okay, I've got these skill sets. You know, maybe working in an apprenticeship or something like that. And then you're on your way. Um, and then as time goes on, as 
different needs come up, then you get additional training and different things, and you're going to be well-rounded that way. And again, you'll save yourself a lot of time and effort. Again, I'm not knocking academia. I have a college degree. Um, I use some of the skills that I picked up with that degree, but it's not my daily daily nature, basically. So I'm one of those 83%. Wow. Uh, that That's an interesting uh, point that you make there. I think uh, there's this one thing that we, I, I, I'm going to ask you this is it almost that businesses are more looking for the soft skills of an individual over uh, the hard skills. Cause any, I mean, honestly, they could teach the hard skills if they need, right. And you can get those certifications, but is it more of the soft skills that a person like has that will get them hired and progress through their career? Is that what matters? For, for the organizations that are um, seeking to be agile and growth oriented, yeah, you need people that can um, have the, the skills, the personality skills to be able to navigate through ever changing times. This pandemic has brought that to light. There's been a lot of organizations that have realized that while they have very talented individuals, uh, some of them have not done well with all of the changes that we've been facing over these 20 or so months since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world. Uh, but yeah, I think long-term, the soft skills are going to be critical because other skills can be trained. I mean, you can train everybody. And when I worked in healthcare, when I hired people, um, there were people that had, much like me, you know, I didn't, they didn't really have healthcare experience, but uh, there was one person in particular that I hired to be a medical receptionist. She worked for one of the cell phone providers in the retail side of things. And a lot of people say, said to me, it's like, why are you hiring this person? They don't have any healthcare experience. I said, yeah, but they've got the best customer service experience you could ever imagine because you will never find more rude people than in a cell phone store because they're upset because their cell bill was this or they can't get this phone or this. And she dealt with rude people every day. In healthcare, you're dealing with, unfortunately, rude patients every day. And while as much as I'd like to, you know, make fun of the patients, we have to remember in healthcare, people, your customers are literally sick, typically. They're not feeling well. That's why they're coming to you. So they're not going to be good. They're not going to feel good. They probably won't behave properly. So you have to have that thick skin, basically, to deal with them. And she thrived uh, in that role and even took on a, a higher position with another organization because I gave her a chance. It's like, yeah, come on in. You know, you'll learn it. It's not a big deal. Answering phones and booking appointments and dealing with a bunch of jerks. You can do that. That, that That's a great, I, I like that uh, analogy that you uh, did there. I, I, I like that uh, you took something from a different field and uh, put it into the healthcare field, uh, like sell to healthcare because I think oftentimes it's that taking from one area to another area and that's where new ideas become like generated. You start generating new ideas. And there's this thing I remember my uh, father sent to me. He sent me this uh, link to this. It was like this talk that this guy was doing. And he's like, during the COVID-19 pandemic, the one thing that we should probably take away from this is that we want to de-specialize our workers. He's like, Yes, specialization is great, and we've been able to perform at a high level, but at the same time, despecialization shows that, hey, they can interact with people. Hey, they can also become aware of this uh, field as well and connect and generate new ideas. So then when a pandemic hits, they can actually adapt and change quickly and 
change with the time. So I kind of want to ask another question here that uh, just lined up kind of with COVID. And would you say that a lot of people during the COVID-19 pandemic experienced burnout? And that's why a lot of people are dropping some of these jobs and moving to other jobs. Yeah, it's definitely been a huge issue. Uh, NordVPN released a study last year uh, that indicated Americans on average were working 20% more hours than before the pandemic. Now, a lot of people were working those 55, 60 hour work weeks before the pandemic and all of a sudden, okay, let's add 20% more. And at first I'm like, how in the world can people actually work more? Are they not sleeping at all? What, what was the deal? And what had happened was because so many people were working from home, they traded their commute time to work time. So instead of getting up in the morning, getting cleaned up, making coffee or tea, getting dressed and then commuting to work and then commuting back home at the end of the work day, people were rolling out of bed and they just started working and then toss in the fact that many people became full-time school teachers as well because their children were home because they couldn't send their kids to school. And of course, everybody realized, wait a minute, my kids are in school when I normally work. How is this going to work? And it didn't. And unfortunately, a lot of parents tried to make it work and it didn't work well, or it was kind of a hodgepodge effort. So what you started seeing was parents would you know, start some work in the morning, take a break during the middle part of the day to make sure their kids were actually doing their schoolwork and not on their PlayStation 5. And then from there, you know, working into the evening. Well, that, you know, makes for a long, long day. And that, of course, was creating a lot of problems with that. As far as what we're seeing now with what a lot of people are coining the great resignation is a combination of events that has been building over a long time. There's been a lot of disgruntled employees in organizations and that's been building for several years you know even before the pandemic we started seeing more and more people wanting to launch their own businesses because they were just tired of the work environment in this pandemic with people working from home all even though they might be working longer hours they started feeling a little bit more freeing they had some flexibility in their day where they didn't have that before so as things have improved and people started going back to the workplace, a lot of people looked at it and went, I don't want to. And it's not because those people are lazy. It's just they don't want to go back to a toxic environment. So they've figured out a way. In many cases, people have done this. When they were working remotely, they said, okay, I don't have to go back in the office. Well, guess what? I work downtown, for example. And a lot of people live downtown or live close to where they worked. In many cases, especially if it's in a big city, it's expensive. Uh, even in the not-so-big cities, it's expensive. Housing is definitely a huge problem. But people sold their houses or sold their condos and moved out into the suburbs or out into the country or something like that. As long as they have a good internet connection, life is good. So they moved out there. Their cost of living reduced. And what that meant was, okay, I don't need a job that pays this way up high now I've cut my cost. I only need this. Okay. Well then guess what? Yeah, I can take maybe a, a less stressful job that's closer or will allow me to work remotely most of the time. And I'll be able to take care of all my obligations and enjoy my life and have the flexibility of being able to work from home. So the organizations that have said, there's no way you're not working remotely, even though they've worked remotely for a year and a half, 
those are the employers that will probably have a difficult time in the short term of retaining or recruiting employees. Now, there are people, uh, I know a, a colleague of mine, um, that thrives going into an office and working every day. They just, they would go stir crazy if they were working remotely. Um, so there's people that that makes sense for. So hopefully over time, the organizations that want people in office will recruit and retain people that like that type of environment in organizations that want to have a hybrid type of thing where people can work remotely or have a place to go in, they'll thrive as well. That's ultimately what I want. I, I'm not one to say it, everything should be remote or everything should be in office. I think a, a combination thereof, and again, depending on most importantly, what your customers need. And I think that sometimes gets lost in the equation. We're focusing on what the employer wants and what the employee needs. And we got to harmonize those things, but we also have to make sure that the customer is being taken care of because without the customer, there's no jobs, there's no company. So um, it COVID has created some issues, but it's also brought to light some opportunities. And you know, the going back again with the great resignation, COVID didn't cause that. COVID allowed that to finally happen because it was building over time. Okay, so it was it was more like just a matter of time and before the like uh, the terms uh, great resignation was going to occur. It was just COVID pretty much accelerated that and just kind of put the nail in the coffin. So I'm kind of uh, interested to hear your thoughts on this. And that's what would you say like is the step going forward for like these employers? Like what would be their step? Like is it more? It's going to be more hybrid or just one or the other is it what's the future for I, that i i think depending on the organization uh they need to be a little bit more flexible uh, because right now we have four generations that are in the workforce uh, this is one of those rarity times where this happens where you've got the baby boomer generation you've got gen x you've got the millennial generation and then you've got Gen Z. And each of them have different needs. There's some more commonalities than differences, uh, although you probably would never get those four generations to agree to that, but there are. Uh, but ultimately, each one of those generations has different needs. So as an employer, if you are large enough where you have a diverse workforce like that, then you have to be, again, flexible and Used to, it's like, okay, yeah, a really good coffee machine or arcade games or ping pong tables or things like that is what, you know, the employees want to have. Now, now the employees and, you know, the younger generations are going, okay, what are you doing as far as carbon footprint? What are you guys doing about minimizing the impact on the world? What are you doing to improve the lives of not just our customers, but the globe as a whole? And used to, it was like, okay, that's a nice to have kind of thing. But there's a lot of people are going, no, I'm going to work for you if you attend to these things. If you ignore these things, then I'm not going to work for you. And again, it's going to be a, an interesting challenge because the they use the phrase the war for talent or the war on talent kind of thing. 
HR people are having a tough time finding some people, and we're seeing it even with this pandemic. There's lots of places, whether it's restaurant or the service industry or other industries where people are just, no, I'm not working in that toxic workplace anymore. So they leave. That's why you're seeing a lot of restaurants close because they just can't find people. And again, you have to ask, all right, what are you doing to your employees or is it the customers? This is that case too. Sometimes there's places, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've seen people be complete jerks to the help. And I'm like, these are people that are serving you. At least show some politeness. I, I believe that's still taught at some point somewhere. I mean, most people that I engage tend to have you know polite demeanor about them. Um, so it's still being taught somewhere, but sometimes people forget this when they get into a service type of situation and then they get frustrated that they can't go in and get their favorite breakfast meal or go to their favorite restaurants. Like, why is it closed? Well, nobody wants to work here because there's customers like you that treat the staff like crap. And well, maybe we all need to be a little bit nicer and forgiving to people because we're all going through some challenging times and long-term it's going to be interesting to see how this all sorts out. But to get back to your question, I think and again, I don't know this for sure, but I think that we will have kind of a hybrid type of environment where you're going to see some places they're going to have people in-house, some people working remotely, and uh, depending on what type of work they do, um, that makes sense. Uh, it There's positives to it. There's challenges to it. I think what's frustrating, I think, for everybody involved is there really isn't a playbook for it. There isn't a rule book. There isn't HR policies or guidelines that we could go to for all of this because well, they didn't exist the last time we had a, a global pandemic of this nature. And that was over a hundred years ago. So we're going to have to create them as we go and they'll get fine tuned over the years. And eventually uh, things will be sorted out. And again, hopefully we, none of us ever have to experience a pandemic like this again, but if for some reason we do, uh, hopefully we'll be uh, better prepared when it comes to, working environments and things like that, as well as, you know, hopefully avoiding the need to completely shut down economies uh, because there's a virus floating around. Okay. Yeah. I like that point. And I actually had to laugh a little when you uh, mentioned the service workers and like how customers treat them wrong. Cause that was actually the reason when I was, uh, I think I was 16, I worked at Del Taco and I was just like, this manager was just like, I was getting paid a decent wage. I was actually getting paid really well for a 16 year old kid. And I was like, I'm not going to complain. And then as I'm working, I work my way up. And then she's like, Hey, I want to promote you to like shift manager. Like you're doing really good. You're a hard worker. And she's like, all right, I'll give you a raise by next week. And you can just start doing these responsibilities. So I start doing those responsibilities. And then all of a sudden it's like, I look at my paycheck. I'm like, wait, I, I didn't, I don't see that raise. Like, I don't want to bother you. I know I'm getting paid great, but I mean, I expected this and she's like, Oh, don't worry about it. I talked to corporate, like you'll have it by next paycheck. So I looked at it again. I'm like the next two weeks, I'm like, Hey, uh, it's not there. Like wh wh what's going on here? And she's like, Oh, don't worry. Just wait, wait. And then finally kind of what blew the straw was when just day after day, some of these customers were just being jerks. And I was just like, all right, I've had it. Like, and I told her, I'm like, look, uh, I, I made up some excuse just to play it nice with her. I'm like, look, I have basketball or whatever. I'm in school and I want to put my focus there and I, I just can't do this right now. So I'm just going to quit for now. 
and she was just like, oh, no, 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 I need you. And it's funny because I had two other friends that worked there. And uh, after I left, they said it kind of sucked because all of a sudden we had to take on the workload. And then we quit because we're like, this sucks because now we have to take your workload. And then I just I finally talked to someone that uh, worked in there. And she's like, yeah, once like four or five people left, it was just like we had to work like 120 just to keep the shop open and just to run effectively. And she's like, I just didn't want to do that. And it's just like it was crazy. And so she left and I think they managed to actually get some employees, but they're still struggling. They're still trying to get employees because they just didn't treat their employees that well. And I, I like that you brought that up. It's because it's something that's happened in my life. So I kind of want to, you know, touch more on your story of how uh, you started your organization and how you've been talking around the world about burnout and what what are you doing to try and get that message out there so then we can avoid things like this. Yeah, that's and before I continue, that and you know this would be a completely different topic, but unfortunately, there's there's a lot of bad managers out there, and they're bad because many organizations don't train them on how to be a manager. Uh, they get promoted, and congratulations, you're a manager. Awesome. How do I manage? Uh, we we don't teach you that here, so and you know they don't teach it in school either. So um, even MBAs, you know. Nothing, again, not to pick on academia, uh, but real life managerial experience is not taught in school to where it needs to be. Because otherwise, we wouldn't have the great resignation uh, like we have right now. But to get back to what I'm doing, uh, as you said, you know, I've been speaking and I speak uh, across the globe, of course, a lot of it virtual over these last uh, couple of years. Uh, to audiences in every sector from legal, education, healthcare retail, engineering, you name it, giving ideas on, you know, what, what burnout is, what does it look like? What are the signs to look for? And what are some quick steps you can do to stop the burnout right now? The deeper work, and a lot of people don't like doing deep work because it takes time, is to figure out why you burned out in the first place. What, what were your behaviors, what were your patterns, your beliefs, your thoughts? that created those scenarios. And again, that's deeper work. But if you do it, like I did, um, what happens is then you're aware of your thoughts, your habits, and everything like that, so you can prevent it from happening again. Like for me, I, I've been burned out once in my life, and it nearly killed me. I'm not going down that path again. Unfortunately, a lot of people you hear, well, I've been burned out a few times. And like, once was almost it for me. Uh, I don't want to go down that road again. So the key is to figure out, okay, what are you doing to create okay. it? It's one thing I say, and sometimes it irritates people. I'll, I'll let you ask the question in a second is burnout is a choice. And a lot of people look at me like, what do you mean? I didn't choose to be burned out. I'm like, no, no one chooses to be burned out, but your choices, your actions, how you live your life, create the scenarios where you can burn out. That's where you have to focus on. You have to figure out what do I need to do to make sure this doesn't happen? And again, that's much deeper work. Okay. So yeah, I, you mentioned the signs and like of burnout and things like that. I kind of want to get your thoughts on like, what are the signs and what do you need to look for? And also uh, you kind of touched on on the end, what are the strategies that uh, you can do going forward to prevent that? Yeah, so here, here's the signs that I see time and time again. Number one, um, a lack of sleep. You're not sleeping well. 
And if you're not sleeping well consistently at time, you know, night after night over an extended period of time, that impairs your cognitive abilities, that uh, your reaction time, your ability to recognize patterns, you're recognizing anything. Um, you start making mistakes at work. Uh, other signs are, again, the fatigue, you're cloudy. You can't, you, you can't make a decision. You know, even simple decisions, you're like, uh, and it, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, and also, you might find yourself being more irritable than normal. And we're seeing a lot of that in society. And it seems like a lot of people are more short-fused. You, you hear more car horns in traffic or people are grumpy waiting in line at a restaurant or a store. You can just tell. And, you know, this, this pandemic has been traumatic to everyone. Uh, and and I, my fear is that the post-traumatic stress from this pandemic is going to last longer than the actual pandemic did. So I'm, I'm de deeply concerned about that. So those are some signs to look out for is like you're fatigued, you're not, you're not motivated to do things and, and all of that. Now, the quick fixes, number one, let's pick on sleep again, get the best sleep you can. And instead of buying that brand new television, that's going to go on sale at Best Buy before Super Bowl, whatever, maybe spend a few hundred dollars on a better mattress for you or spend some money on a really good pillow. Don't buy the dollar pillow. Invest your money in a good bed and a good pillow and good bedding. Why? Where do you spend the most consecutive hours of your day in one spot? It's your bed. You get sleep. You repair, Your body repairs the damage that you do to yourself on a daily basis, which means that you'll be able to navigate through stressful situations easier. And burnout does not happen unless you have prolonged stress. If you don't have prolonged stress, you don't burn out. Uh, another thing to focus on is your activity levels. Make sure you get some exercise in. And I know that's been challenging for people, especially in this pandemic when gyms were closed for a long time. But you know what? That you can still work out at home and do things without any equipment whatsoever. Uh, but I do recommend make sure you work with your healthcare provider before you take on a new exercise routine because the last thing you want to do is end up in the hospital because you pulled something. Uh, we want to make sure that we save the hospital emergency room for true emergencies and, and COVID cases and whatnot. Another thing, and this is something that I did recently, but I've been pushing it for a long time, is get a food intolerance test. And I ordered one not too long ago, and it tested me on over 250 types of food. And I was alarmed how much I had an intolerance to. Some are straight up allergy. Uh, where I am literally allergic to certain types of food. Others, there's an intolerance to it. The reason why that's important is when you eat something that you have an intolerance to, your gut is dealing with something that is foreign. It's a foreign object, basically, and has to work harder to process it through your system so you can get it out of your body. It's not, a, you know, it's not seamless. It struggles. That's why you have gut issues and all of that. When we sleep, our gut is really active because it's working through things. So if your gut is trying to work through all of these toxins, basically, to your body, may not be a toxin to somebody else, but it is for you, that means it's using a lot more energy to deal with that, which means your body's not using that energy to repair other things or get rest or things like that. So by doing that, you, you can start adjusting your diet just to eat foods that you don't have an intolerance to. And you know, even with the, the laundry list of things that it was on mine, there's still plenty of things that I like. And of course, it's, you know, increased my 
my nutrition plan as far as the types of foods that I can eat. And I go, you know, I've discovered new foods and new ways to prepare foods and it's been beneficial for me and I get amazing sleep. So that's, that's a big thing um, to do. And then, and finally, just make sure you do things in life you enjoy to do. And when people are stressed or burned out, they cut out going to the baseball game. They cut out going to concerts or going to the movies or going out with drinks or going to have coffee with friends. They cut those things. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm working too much. Well, guess what? When you start cutting those things in life out that you enjoy doing, then you don't enjoy doing anything anymore. And you're just working and you're fatigued. And then you get to meet a cardiologist potentially. And they're expensive. And so is the heart medication that you have to take if you have a cardiac event. Um, thankfully, I'm off all of those medications because I made significant changes in my dietary life and my exercise and all of that to the point where my heart is healthy enough where I don't need those medications anymore, which saves me a ton of money. But again, you know, I would much rather spend money on good foods than on pills to compensate for me eating bad foods. So just food for thought, pardon the pun there. <laughs> I, I like that you uh, mentioned that because I actually had this incredible opportunity. I don't even know how, but I've been able to talk with multiple business owners, multiple people that I would consider highly successful people in the workplace. And then, I mean, yourself included. And I would say that the number one thing that they always tell me is they're like, no amount of money can buy back your health. Like, that's the thing. You can work your butt off. You can uh, like put in hours and time. And then all of a sudden you're going to be experiencing essentially burnout and you're going to be going to the doctor and you're going to be spending most of your time there where most of the time you're working your butt off. So then you can actually, you know, have time to do the things you love, but it's almost like you got addicted to this oh, work cycle. Cause it's just like, that's all you've known. And that's all uh, that you want in life. And that, it kind of brings up this uh, point that I kind of want to ask. And that's, uh, would you, I'm trying to phrase this a little bit, but would you say that, uh, I, I guess I'll just say it this way. Would you say that health is more important than the wealth that you have? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's great if you're wealthy and you've done well, you've got condos and Lambos and life is good. That's great. But don't you want to feel good enjoying those things? That's the thing. It's like if you take care of your health, then you're your best version of yourself. And when you're your best version of yourself, guess what? The opportunities that come to you are going to be better. Let's pick on Gary Vee for a minute. I don't know his health, but my observation, and I see his stuff and his content, he seems to be a rather healthy individual. Um, I've never, I don't really know, you know, what he does as far as the health regime is concerned, but I know he is, um, in order to be successful, he's doing something. So it would be good for him to, if he hasn't, if I, if he has, I apologize for not knowing it, but taking good care of yourself and eating the foods that are best for him um, has allowed for him to build this media empire that he has. And I, I think a lot of people, when they see somebody like him, it's like, oh, that's, that's great success. If you go back and you watch the early days of his videos and things that he's done, and you look at him now, you can tell, hmm, his hair was a lot darker back then. Yeah, because he's been at this for some time. Everyone thinks 
and this is the instant society that we live in, that I'll launch this business and I'll be a millionaire within three weeks. No, the, the, the percentage opportunity for that is near impossible. It's like the stats prove it won't happen. Um, we know the stats about business failures and all that kind of stuff. Consistency over a long period of time wins the race. You know, one of my favorite leadership books, which really isn't a leadership book, but in my opinion it is, is The Tortoise and the Hare. We're familiar with the, the rabbit versus the turtle in a race. Who wins the race? The turtle. Why? Because they're consistent, they're focused, they're doing the best that they can. They're not bouncing around from idea to idea to coach to coach and this, this, or this funnels or this, that, or all this other stuff that you know, the internet tells you you need to do in order to be a successful entrepreneur. So many people have lost so much money because they've wasted money on things that aren't right for their business. You know, get really good at figuring out what you want to do in your work. Make sure you, you narrow down who your ideal client is. Service them. Doesn't mean you can't service anybody else, but make sure you find out who your ideal client is that is going to benefit from whatever you offer. Then everything will fall into place over time. Again, it's not instant, it's not overnight, but you'll learn things along the way. Surround yourself with mentors that have gone before you, that have done well, either, and you know, don't go from, okay, I'm here, I'm starting, I'm three months into my business. Yes, you can study Gary V and Tony Robbins and all the other people, but they've been doing it for years. Find somebody that's maybe two or three years ahead of you. Work with them. You know, pick their brain a little bit. They'll they'll help you with some things to kind of weed out the stuff you don't need to do and focus on what you do. And that can help you move things along a little bit faster and eliminate a lot of unnecessary spending on things that, quite frankly, aren't going to benefit your business. Okay, I I, I like the thoughts that you've been circulating here, and I'm going to kind of uh, begin to kind of close here, but I'm going to ask this, what uh, piece of advice would you give to someone that's entering the workforce and uh, just what, what piece of advice would you give to someone just young, uh, college age, just ready to enter the workforce? Set strong boundaries around when you work and when you don't. In this instant, constantly connected, always have our smartphones by our sides, no way to separate from work. Establish the boundaries of when you work and when you don't and stick to them. Make crystal clear for the organization you work with, this is when I'm available. Negotiate. It's like, okay, this is when I'm available, when I'm not. Um, and don't respond to emails. And as employers, quit sending your staff emails after hours on weekends. Unless you're you know, a 24-7 type of shop, you don't need to do that. Don't. Stop doing it because you're setting the tone because as a CEO or a boss, I send you an email or a text message at 11 p.m. on Saturday night. You think I have to respond to this. So then you do that to your people that work with you or underneath you. See what's happened? Now everybody's working these late hours. Saturday night, you should be doing whatever you want to do, but not work unless that's when your shift is. And that's something different. But for most people, no, you know, stick to the office hours. That's when you work. And when you don't, you don't. And 
if your business can't survive unless you work your people to death, well, guess what? You're going to work your people to death and your business isn't going to survive. So you're going to have to figure out a different approach in order to make sure your business survives. So set those boundaries from day one. And if it's an organization that expects you to work long nights and weekends and things like that, go find another job. It's not, it, it's not worth it. It really isn't. I know you've got college debt, you got student loans. I get it. I had them too. Um, but you're negotiating in the, the 55 hour stat. The number of people under age 40 having heart attacks is dramatically increasing. So if you have a heart attack and you're less than 40 years old, there's a good chance that one, you could be, you know, partially paralyzed. You could have some physical ailments for the rest of your life, or you could be on medication for the rest of your life. There are side effects to medication that will shorten your life all because, well, I I need this job because I want to pay off my student loans earlier. It's not worth it. Work, live, harmonize the two but make sure you get enough time to do things in life you enjoy doing. So what's the point? Do you work to live or live to work? And that's, that's a question you got to answer yourself. I, I, I love that advice that you uh, shared with us today. It's, I think so many things that are applicable to today. And then a lot of people, especially my audience that can use uh, as they're entering the workforce and just people that, you know, that maybe are struggling with burnout right now. And they're, thinking to themselves, oh, maybe I am uh, working myself too far and that I need to uh, balance it out. And like you said, uh, work and live. Because I mean, what's the point of life if you're just going to work the whole time? You need to have that balance and actually live the moments in life because that's what makes it worth living. So uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed having you on. It's been an absolute blast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. Everyone, that is Michael Levitt. As you can tell, he is a very intelligent person. He has great things to say, and I would recommend taking a lot of his thoughts and apply it to your life as well. Uh, stay tuned to next week's episode. We have a great guest lined up for that as well. And thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. Let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and there should be a form there for you guys to fill out. Thank you guys again and let's get after it.